Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Yes, it's me, Egbert. As the new owner of this station, I want to make sure we have the best talent on the air. That's why I've decided to ban all real estate agents and only have real talkers like Brad and John. Here they are, B and J. You know, I've been thinking about that that comment from Egbert, John. I, yeah. I I think he's being a little bit less inclusive than he should be. You know what? And as the chairman of the Egbert DEI committee, I would like to say that we should investigate this. Well, you know, I, I think he's going the exact direction that, that uh, Rick and Tracy Ellis are going, but in the opposite direction because they don't want any rhinos on their radio station. So, right. You know, and you and I are both hippopotami. <laughs> You know, isn't it amazing that how discriminatory people are? I mean, I just I'm always amazed at 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 territorialism and discrimination and not racial or sexual or anything like that. Just okay, he drives a a older car and it's an American-made car, and, uh, you know, he should be, if he's anything uh, special, he should be driving a new car, and it needs to be a foreign car. You know what I'm saying? It's stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that is John And Com- what is diversity if it's not? And that's what so many of our corporations ignore is we talk about diversity, and we look at things like race and sex and, and, and what kind of pronouns you have. When we And we tend to ignore, as corporations, gosh, I'm out of that world. I shouldn't say we. Corporations tend to ignore things, you know, diversity, things like what is your socioeconomic background or what is most importantly, what is your life experience? What did you do to get here? Or do you play pickleball or not? You know what I'm saying? I mean, and if you play pickleball, <laughs> should you be sent to a faraway island? Right. Not a pickleball guy, Brad. I don't care how many courts they put in Chesterfield Mall. Not a pickleball guy. Man, once again, I go on one of my, not my year, but my old high school's, uh, you know, Facebook page, and I can guarantee you that if I go on the Facebook page, one of the top three posts is about them playing pickleball and then going to Harpo's afterwards. Now, is the allure of pickleball, do you not have to run as much, or what? what's the allure of pickleball? It's, yeah, it's, it's uh, well, you can't. It's like tennis, but but it's a smaller court. Am I right? Or am yeah, I wrong? it's it's like half the size of a tennis court, but the deal is the you can't get the ball going real fast. You know, it's not like, I mean, if you see these prof- professionals, you know, like when they when they make a serve, I think that it's very easily the, the ball travels over 100 miles an hour. On oh, pickleball? No, no, no. In in regular tennis. Oh, in tennis. But I in, see. Yeah. But in, yeah. Right. But in, okay. And that's because they have a strong racket and the ball's very bouncy. Whereas in pickleball, it's a paddle, and the ball is much less bouncy, and it's a smaller court, and the game goes. The game is not as as running back and forth. You know, if you watch some of these singles matches, you see uh, if you know the if you get two players who are very good, they'll the you know they'll 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 go left, right, left, right. You know, they'll keep their opponent going back and forth and back and forth. And pickleball, for the most part, is at least 
where I've seen it, it's usually played in doubles. I don't know if they even do yeah, single pickleball. Yeah, when I've seen photos of it, that's what, that's what I yeah, see, too. So, anyway, that's John Combest. Every day he slaves over a hot computer and puts together a list of what he thinks are the top stories in the state of Missouri. He gets those stories by looking all over the websites and listening to radio and TV and, and Internet interviews and things like that and podcasts. And he publishes this every morning on johncombest.com, C-O-M-B-E-S-T, johncombest.com. And we defer to him every morning at this time to say, John, tell us the top three things on johncombest.com. A a real challenge today, Brad, because there are so many that could be in the top three, but we're going to be ruthless and we're going to narrow it down. Number three, we're going to put in the block of marijuana. Here the we go again. leader of the industry group in Missouri, which is called Mocan Trade, a gentleman named Jack Cardetti, is pretty much doing a, a one-year victory lap about the success of marijuana. And regular listeners to our show know that we talk about this a lot, talk about the financial impact that the cannabis industry has on Missouri. So Jack did kind of a victory lap with the Missouri Net today. You can find the link on my website, of course, where he talks about the economic benefit, sales. And in his, his assertion is that the successful medical marijuana infrastructure set up the recreational, excuse me, we can't, we're not supposed to say recreational anymore, Brad. I don't know if you're hip to this. It's adult use. It's, the industry doesn't like the term recreational. Why is that? I guess, is that because I guess it could because be kids? I guess because it suggests that some people might use the drug as some sort of a freewheeling, let's have a good time and take some dope. Whereas if you say adult use, that seems much more serious. I have to tell you the truth. I think it's just the opposite. Because if you say, if you say, let's go some with some adult entertainment, that's like, <laughs> no, no, seriously, that's that's like East Side stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, no, I get exactly what you're saying. And your car, thanks to the fact that you drive a high tech car, as you mentioned earlier, right? Your car <laughs> takes you exactly to the East Side because for you, it's a well worn path for professional reasons, not for. Any dancers. Once but again, back to our story, Brad. When I used to drive it, uh, go into work every day. I worked over at the airport over there, but that's a whole other story. I know. You know what? And there's an old Monsanto drive over there, isn't right, there? Right, right, right. So the, the marijuana industry is front and center. Also, there's a discussion among legislators now, and I think you'd find this fascinating, particularly, Brad, the idea of if someone is intoxicated by cannabis, do workers' compensation laws apply to them? So the idea being is if they're if they're stoned and they cut their finger off, do mm-hmm. they do they not get workman's comp? Is that what you're Correct, essentially saying? Correct, because it's legal. Like they're not under the influence of an illegal of an illicit substance. And the the question is, how do you even and one of the lawmakers, I think it was Richard West actually from St. Charles County, pointed out there's really not a good way today to ascribe intoxication to cannabis well that's the like, problem they you, don't have like yeah, a you can do a blood alcohol test but you can't do I, as far as i know you can't do a, a cannabis blood content test i think you can i think that's i think you can do the blood test but you can't do like the breathalyzer thing the breathalyzer i get what you're saying is, but I, I imagine too i'm just guessing here that that's probably prohibitively expensive well like it's not like blowing into a breathalyzer well no, no let me take that back a minute okay but you just said the fact that it's a legal a legal drug well it, wouldn't that be the same thing if you go to work drunk 
and you cut your finger off in the in the in the bandsaw, aren't you still? Aren't so you? that's what. So that's what the debate that the legislators are having, and and some of the measures that legislators are intru- are introducing, as I understand it, are preemptive. So in other words, if marijuana is one day legalized federally, which I think most people think that the, you know the, that's the direction that we're going, does it matter if the federal government says marijuana is legal, um, anyone can use it? I don't see to me, I, I don't understand the whole thing. I mean, I've never been into marijuana. I've never been into illegal drugs to me. It's like, you know, all I, all I can think of is this is, this is my thing with marijuana. I think of two things. I think of Cheech and Chong and yeah, exactly. And I think of like my high school days where, Hey, let's get some marijuana and get stoned. <laughs> I'm going like, yeah, man, I don't know. Well, but, but, and think of how much that's changing. So Brad, first of all, I'm in the same camp. So I came up during the, the Nancy Reagan, just say no. You know, I saw Nancy Reagan on different strokes and I was like, man, <laughs> I'm never touching that, he, that, that, he, ca- you know, yeah, it was, marijuana in my it was, life. It was, and it was even on a Dukes of Hazard episode as well. It was, but the, it but was Nancy also, that did it. Think about a kid today, Brad, that's in elementary school whose grandma, you know, she has to smoke her medicine because she's, she says that her eyes, she's got that glue comma thing or whatever she has. And then, you know, dad, as we talked about before, you know, dad can't, it's really hard for dad to figure out the carpool lane at school some days. And it's just so stressful that dad needs a little bit of that Northern Lights cannabis sativa to bring him down, you know? John's being facetious again, aren't you? I'm being serious, Brad. Think yeah, of the right. men in suburbia that yeah. rely on this to get right. through the course of a right. stressful thing like a like a grocery store trip. Yeah, or, right. You know, dealing with their harpy wife or something. <laughs> right, harpy wife. Do we don't have harpy husbands? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have. I bet you we have more harpy husbands than we do harpy wives. Yeah, you have to be an equal opportunity offender in that one. Hey, I, boy, I am. I, and you know what? I'm harder on men than I am on women, uh, and I should be. Now, that, that's the number what he said. two story today comes from the Springfield News Leader, and it follows up on something that we talked about at the beginning of the week, the moment of truth for political candidates. This piece is in the Springfield News Leader by a woman named Kelly, and I'm going to – I don't know how to pronounce her name, Brad. It's D-E-R-E-U-C-K. And as a guy, by the way, whose last name is C-O-M-B-E-S-T, I'm very sensitive to people mispronouncing things, thinking they're funny. So we'll just call this woman Kelly. She has a piece that gives an overview of statewide candidates. The takeaway from this, Brad, is that once again, Mike Kehoe has the most money in the governor's race. I would point out that in this Newsleader article, the reporter switched Jay Ashcroft and Mike Kehoe when talking about Jay Ashcroft's political action committee. That's a pretty big detail to get wrong in a story. It's the kind of thing that if you had an editor that gave a heck, they'd probably catch well, it. Well, the editing so, thing. so you'll see you're saying they, they misidentified, they switched the two as far as in the story is concerned. Yeah. And the joy of the Springfield news leader, by the way, so I'm an online subscriber. So I pay monthly to subscribe to the digital feature. I correct many of their errors which sometimes get corrected in the paper, the news leader does a very poor job of acknowledging reader feedback. There's a gentleman named Stephen Herzog there who does, a, who does a passable job of acknowledging it. But this reporter, I'll correct this on Twitter. She'll see it likely, and she won't acknowledge it. 
the editor-in-chief will see my correction, not acknowledge it. doesn't matter that I'm a subscriber and that I'm offering constructive feedback. They will often make the changes in the paper, which is really the most important thing, Brad. John, can I make a comment? Absolutely. I think you've fallen into the Ed Golterman comment uh, category. You know why? Because I expect people to... I have an I have an unrealistic hope that people will accept constructive feedback helpfully. Well, Ed Golterman is complaining on his face. If you don't know who Ed Golterman is, go. I only know him because of you. Go look at Ed Golterman's Facebook page. All according to him, the world revolves around the Keel Opera House, which is now the Stiefel Opera House or Stiffel, whatever they pronounce it. But but uh, essentially, it used to be the Keel Opera House, and he complained the other day that apparently. Everybody at Channel 5 now has blocked him. And, I, and, <laughs> I bet they have. And, I asked, and isn't there a difference, Brad, between – and let's use the word harpy again – about being harpy toward the media about their coverage and things you don't like versus saying, hey, Jay Ashcroft is not the same person as Mike Kehoe. Well, the, what, what he – his whole thing is – if you read his comments, and he, all he does is sit at home and listen to Camo X and watch Channel 2, 4, 5, and 11 and, <laughs> and criticize the news comment, he claims they're not covering news and it's all soft news. And, you know, and he'll, he'll give the analysis that, like, in a half-an-hour news program on Channel 5, they talked about, you know, somebody's hot dog stand and, and somebody's uh, car dealership. And he's essentially saying, and he's always saying, where are the crime numbers where are the crime numbers the problem with that is that you know once again i have not one but two journalism degrees people i think have gotten to the point where they don't care about crime numbers anymore you know what i'm saying i mean because they because what you're saying is people already accept the fact that the city is in terrible crime shape Right. If you hear that, yeah, and that it's not anything new. If you hear the crime numbers for Ladue or Frontenac or Town and Country or Chesterfield or Wildwood, you go, whoa, wow, wow. Boy, they've got some crime out there. But if yeah. someone says, ah, there's been 14 shootings and 36 carjackings and 14 armed robberies today in the city of St. Louis, people go, oh, another day in the city. You it's know what all, I mean? Yeah, it's all noise. Like, right. It's, it's just like, new. okay. I get what you're saying. Right. Okay. And, and the last, so the, the takeaway from the news leader story, if you look at these numbers, and I would recommend – I anticipate that over the weekend Jason Rosenbaum will do, uh, an, uh, will do an accurate look at this. So you could look at Jason Rosenbaum or maybe the Kansas City Star. They have a, a pretty decent reporter named Kaysen Bayless over there, really liberal but competent. I would imagine that they would do a little bit deeper dive and a more competent dive on on this race. The takeaways – the good thing is if you're Jay Ashcroft and Jay Ashcroft's campaign manager – who, by the way, he had to go out of state to hire a campaign manager. I guess there's not enough talent in the state of Missouri to run a campaign. But Jay Ashcroft's quote was that Jay continues to lead by a double-digit mark in most independent polls. That's the quote from Ashcroft's out-of-state campaign manager. Interesting. And the number one story is? Is involves your friend and mine, Corey Bush. She got quite an endorsement from a New York congressman named Jamal Bowman. Now, you might remember Jamal Bowman from pulling the fire alarm. He's the Mr. Fire Alarm guy. Mr. Fire Alarm guy. It's right. not to be confused with Mr. Telephone Man. Which, But Mr. Fire Alarm guy, he has endorsed Corey Bush's plan for reparations, which the price God. tag is a cool $14 trillion. $14 trillion, And the right. best part of it, Brad, <laughs> is that Jamal Bowman says – when people ask about the money, he says that that we can spend it 
into existence. Now, what I love about this is that's that's a very millennial slash Gen Z phrase. Like, you know, if you say, hey, speak it into existence, put it out into the universe and it can happen. And his point is to his to a New York paper, he said that he used COVID as an example. And he said that critics said that we didn't have the money to do COVID relief spending and that we didn't have money. We couldn't just give people pandemic payouts and bail out companies, but we did it. And the same thing can happen for reparations. Jamal Bowman's number is $333,000 for every person who's been injured by slavery. I mean, of course, none of them are still alive, but you know, you know what I'm saying. So anyway, Brad, speak it into existence. That's the phrase of the day for Friday. I don't, I, I'll never understand this whole thing. The whole thing to me is just bizarre, weird stuff. You know, there's so many people that came over the United States after slavery. Look at all the immigrants that came over in the late 1800s, early 1900s. You know, I mean, look at the immigrants that have come over in, you know, in the, in the, the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s had nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, and you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of Asian Lives Matter protests. I don't see a lot well, of Asian Lives Matter it's, riots down Mid-Rivers Mall Drive. It's like you said, you're part, what, Irish and Scottish and stuff like yeah. that? Look at the discrimination the Irish people face. Look at my people. Yes. And boy, I carry that generational trauma every day, Brad. <sighs> and when I see a German like you, I just fume, you know? You know, you know what's interesting is if you if you take any type of course, like if you take the uh, you know any type of motivational course, if you take the who's the Tony Robbins kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. What they teach you is they teach you to leave your past behind you. Let you know it go. I mean? Release it. Brad. Exactly. You have to release your if past. bad things happen to you, try to get those out of your mind. Do not let those taint your your view of what you do today and the fact that, like, my mom was notorious for this. My mom was, you know, well, 30 years ago, this guy said, <laughs> you know, mom, you know, like, move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, now, you, if, you, if you don't want to roll a lot of baggage around, there's not a whole, if, you shouldn't be bringing a carry-on to every to every interpersonal relationship you have. Now, in my mom's defense, if that person would have bothered her for thirty years, then she has a point. But if right, it happened sure. thirty years ago, move on. Okay, which means we have to move on. And when we get back, my number one question to you is filibuster. And I know Ooh, you'll, yeah. you'll you'll know the story on this because once again, I don't quite understand what's going on. Maybe you can explain it. I'm sort of you know, scratching my head going, I don't exactly understand what's going on with this. In Jeff City? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about with, it. with, and our buddy Bill Eigel was involved with it, right? Of sure. course. 